Chapter 13 Thick fingers of mist caressed the stones as the brothers of Albion, almost invisible in their long black robes, sank a series of burning brands around the perimeter of the circle. But the flickering fire from the torches failed to keep the fog at bay. At the edge of the circle, Scott shivered. The fog was slowly clearing from his mind as the hard stone bit into his back, the creeping cold seeping into his spine. He was bound to a rough-hewn stone that faced the monolith, which was towering with a brooding menace in the centre of the circle. Next to him, Avalon struggled against the tight bindings that held them trapped there. We're going to die, said Avalon, her voice shaking with cold and fear. Scott craned his neck, but all he could see out of the corner of his eye was Avalon's skinny wrist, bound like his own to the stone. It'll be all right, he said. But as he watched the pack of dark-robed thugs brutally clubbing Tom and Jason to the ground, the lie tasted like ashes in his mouth. As Tom raised his arms in surrender to try and ward off the blows that were raining down, Daedalus approached and with a single gesture stopped the violence. Why did you come here, Tom? he asked, watching in grisly fascination as the two men tentatively examined their injuries, Jason touching his fingers to the cut on the side of his forehead, while Tom spat a broken tooth at Daedalus's feet. I had to try and stop you, he replied, each word accompanied by a blood-flecked shower of spittle as he crouched, breathing heavily in the shadow of the stones. Don't you realise what you're doing? If you open up the deadways, you're going to destroy us all. Nonsense, Daedalus snorted, shaking his head dismissively. Why would we want to do that? Britain is ours to protect. He turned his attention towards Jason. Is this what he's got you all believing? Daedalus brandished on Albion Unbound. Is that why you're here? Jason stared up at the minister through cold, wary eyes, their roles hideously altered from the last time they had met. He had managed to staunch the bleeding and dried blood matted his eyebrow in a blotchy red crescent. He shook his head. I'm here because I'm investigating the murder of Alexander Williams. Jason picked his words with a deliberate calm. I'm here to bring you to justice. Daedalus laughed with delight. Wonderful, D.I. Dyer. Do you always get your man? We obviously underestimated you. The mists gathered around Daedalus as he began to walk towards the stone where Scott and Avalon were tied. But this time, I'm afraid you're mistaken. He called out over his shoulder. The only justice here is us. Scott fixed Daedalus with an unforgiving glare as he approached, the strange, unsettling sight of the minister's face emerging from the flowing, monk-like robes, finally convincing him of the truth of his fears. This was the man who had killed his father. He struggled against his bindings as Daedalus drew near, but the ties held firm. I'm sorry about all of this, Scott, Daedalus began, his face fixed in an expression of sympathy. But our work here is of the utmost importance. We cannot tolerate any more misguided interpretations. Is that all my dad did? Scott asked, the raw taste of anger almost choking him. Interrupt your plans. Is that why you killed him? I'm sorry about what happened to your father, Daedalus replied, shaking his head almost sorrowfully. Alex was a good man, but he gave us no choice. He betrayed the Brotherhood and tried to wreck our finest cause. And what's that? asked Scott. To close down a few motorways and unlock the gates of hell. My dad worked so hard for you and you murdered him. That, you will learn, is only a temporary inconvenience, Daedalus replied. 
And as for opening the gates of hell, you'd better you'd do better than listening to that washed-up old fool. He jerked his head dismissively towards Tom, and Scott felt the bindings around his wrist tighten as Avalon clenched her fists. The only gate we open here tonight will be the gate to the promised land. What do you mean? A new phase in the evolution of mankind. Daedalus's eyes glittered with a fiery conviction as he spoke. We will finally conquer death itself. He glanced back at the preparations that were continuing amongst the stones, at the countless black-robed figures scurrying back and forth. By harnessing the power of the deadways, the brothers of Albion will wrest control of life and death from the Eternals. Death will be abolished, and more than that, we will be able to bring the dead back to life once more. He fixed Scott with a knowing glance. Even your father. The words hung heavy in the cool night air. We will take this broken down nation and raise her up once again to her rightful place in the world, Daedalus continued, his voice becoming steadily more strident. Imagine the Britain we will build with the finest minds from history at our service. William Shakespeare, Sir Isaac Newton, Isambard Kingdom Brunel, the greatest of Britons will be raised from the grave to serve the brothers of Albion. Other countries will marvel in envy at the utopia we create. As he ended his speech, Daedalus clutched his hands together in an impassioned gesture as though he was addressing the crowd at a political rally rather than Scott's cold and fearful figure in the desolate stone circle. There was a moment of silence and then Jason's voice cut through the gloom. And what gives you the right? Of what? Daedalus spun round at Dyer's question. Nobody's voted for any of this madness, Jason continued, his face blooded but his voice calm and rational. Raising the dead, living forever. If any of it's really true, then why didn't you put it in your election manifesto? I might not have voted for the other lot if you had. Daedalus's eyes flashed in irritation. Decisions of such importance cannot be left to the fickle finger of democracy, he snapped. Through the centuries, it has been the brothers of Albion's sacred duty to protect this great nation. And now, as Grand Master, I have the chance to banish the darkness forever. I will not shirk from that task. He turned back towards Scott and Avalon. Avalon shivered under Daedalus's predatory gaze, but Scott stood stock still. Daedalus's words had driven the creeping cold from his bones and replaced it with a faint spark of hope. We will be able to bring back to we will be able to bring the dead back to life once more, even your father. The chanting had started again, low and insistent around the circle. And you can help us, Scott. Daedalus's words cut through the rhythmic murmur of the voices. Help us open the dead ways, and we will give your father back to you. Don't trust him. Avalon's voice hissed in his ear, but Scott ignored it. The black knot of pain that he'd been holding inside ever since he'd been told that his father was dead now felt as though it was ready to burst. He couldn't stand the agony any longer. Can you really do that? he asked, scarcely believing the words as they passed his lips. Yes, Daedalus nodded, his eyes shining with the promise. And you won't ever have to risk losing him again. It's a lie, Tom's voice rang out in warning. If the dead ways are opened... His sentence was brutally cut short, as, with a nod from Daedalus, the brothers of Albion surrounding Tom rained down an avalanche of blows, their weapons rising and falling in a sudden flurry of violence. Dad! 
Avalon called out in anguish, but Tom couldn't answer as he lay unconscious on the cold ground. Jason bent over him, desperately trying to revive Tom as a red line of blood trickled from the corner of his mouth. Don't listen to him, Daedalus told Scott. Think about your father. He held out his hand in invitation. We'll let your friends go free. All of this unfortunate inconvenience can be forgotten. Will you help us, Scott? The words tumbled through Scott's fogged mind. He thought about Tom's apocalyptic warnings, the dark spirits lurking, waiting for the dead ways to be opened so that they could resume their reign of tyranny. And Daedalus's vision of, of, an early of an earthly paradise where life stretched blissfully into eternity, heaven or hell, paradise or damnation. Who to trust? The answer should be a simple one. The brothers of Albion had killed his father, beaten, threatened and imprisoned them. But what if they were right? The impossible hope of seeing his dad's face again, a chance to put an end to this soul-searing misery. Then he remembered the darkness he'd already seen, the thrashing body bags writhing like maggots in the hospital mortuary, the ragged line of walking dead shuffling down the highway at, R at Ray Cross, the skeletal corpses clawing their way free from the earth. This was what opening the dead ways would bring. I won't help you, Scott replied with a decisive shake of his head. He stared up into Daedalus's face, meeting his eyes with a gaze of defiance. This is madness. A pity, said Daedalus, a wry smile playing across his lips. It would have been so much easier if you were willing. With a sweeping gesture, he signalled for Scott to be freed. The brothers of Albion, standing guard, quickly untied Scott and Avalon's bindings. Then they seized Avalon and marched her to the circle of guards who stood sentry over Jason and Tom's fallen form. More black-robed figures surrounded Scott, forcing roughly forcing him toward as Daedalus held out his hand as a circus showman and led them into the heart of the circle of stones. Scott stumbled towards the towering monolith. The ebony rock glittered with menace in the pale moonlight. Behind him, the chorus of voices rose up again in triumph. Albion, Albion, Albion. As the chanting intensified, it seemed to set off a low vibration in the stones, an expectant tremor that hung in the shadows. Reaching the great stone, Scott shivered. Well, what are you going to do? he asked, his throat dry with fear as Daedalus stood silently by his side. Daedalus drew out the ceremonial dagger, its long blade glinting hungrily in the silvery light. The stones need blood, he replied. Scott stepped back in horror, but Daedalus was too quick for him. Reaching out, he grabbed hold of Scott's right arm and with a sigh of pleasure drew the blade across his palm. Scott gasped as blood welled from the wound and a sickening wave of pain sent him swaying in shock. Daedalus raised Scott's mutilated hand in triumph. For Albion, he roared as the chanting reached a crescendo. He thrust Scott's hand forward, blood dripping through his fingers until the flesh met the stone. The dark monolith seemed to shiver with delight as Scott's blood ran down its surface. Daedalus stepped back his face exultant as he raised his arms aloft. Let the halcyon days begin, he cried, as the gathering wind swirled thick fingers of fog across the sky, obliterating the pale moon overhead. Gasping with fear, his breath coming in sharp, shuddering gulps, Scott tried to pull his hand away. The wound burned where it touched the smooth surface of the monolith, 
but some invisible force seemed to be holding it there, fusing his mutilated hand to the stone. Tiny cracks began to appear on the surface of the pillar, and Scott watched with growing horror as questing fingers of light began to poke their way out. When the blood from his wound reached the widening cracks in the stone, Scott saw the fingers of light curl questioningly and then dart with delight towards the source. As the freezing tendrils embraced him, Scott let out an agonised scream. Icy rivulets of pain flooded through his veins, coursing through his body in a whiplash of agony. His limbs jerked in uncontrollable spasms, the suffering impossible to contain. Scott felt as though he was being eaten away from within. As the stigmata on his palm pulsed through the stone, he screamed again in wordless agony. In some distant corner of his mind, he knew that this wasn't eternal life. This was eternal death. Jason watched in horror as the grey fingers of light snaked out from the stone pillar. He saw them seize hold of Scott, making him dance like a marionette. The air in the circle crackled with electricity, and the taser burn on Jason's chest throbbed in, symp in sympathy. It's happening again, he thought with a sickening lurch of realisation. The brothers of Albion guarding them had turned towards the monolith, their arms raised aloft as they watched their golden age begin to dawn. Avalon knelt beside Tom's unconscious body, the slow rise and fall of his chest reassuring her that somehow he was still alive. Rejoice, proclaimed Daedalus, as the light emanating from the monolith began to illuminate the sky. Rejoice! Behind him, Scott continued his pulsating dance of death, his hands still scorched to the stone. The questing searchlights of energy reached out above him into the black night sky like an outstretched hand. As the sound of the chanting redoubled in response to Daedalus' ex exhortation, the fingers of light curled outwards towards the edge of the circle. Then in one dizzying movement, they struck. The beams raked through the circle, twisting kaleidoscopes of cold light cut through the swathes of mist and ranks of dark-robed figures. As they struck each standing figure, there came a shrill shriek of pain, and then the body crumpled to the floor. Keep down, yelled Jason, as Avalon began to rise in confusion. A snaking beam lashed above them, striking down the guards that surrounded them. Jason grabbed hold of Avalon's arm, dragging her down until they were both crouched protectively over Tom's prone body. Stay here, Jason told Avalon as he fixed his gaze on the pulsing pillar of stone, which now radiated an unearthly light. Silhouetted in front of the monument, Scott's body jerked in increasingly frantic movements, his arms still raised as if pleading for help. Whatever was happening, Jason knew Scott couldn't survive it much longer. As Tom's eyelids slowly fluttered open, staring out in blank horror at the chaos engulfing them, Jason set off on a crouching run towards the great stone. In front of him, the brothers of Albion were scattering like a murder of startled crows disturbed by a farmer's sudden arrival. One of them was crawling towards him, his hood fallen back to reveal the sweating face of a frightened old man. Oh God, please help me, he repeated in a frantic prayer. A churning shaft of light ricocheted above him, curdling the words into a sudden shriek of pain as the old man collapsed in a heap on the cold, hard ground. Jason threw himself to the right as the beam raked past him. Then he crawled towards Scott, who was framed in the pulsating light. Above the monolith, Jason could see a new darkness in the night sky, a black void waiting beyond the mist and the fog and the shadows, a place 
where for the first time in millennia, something was stirring. There was a crack in the sky and something was coming through. A rotting stench filled the air, making Jason wretch as he forced himself forward. He was almost there, but as the shimmering tower of stone loomed in front of him, he didn't know if it was too late. Hold on, Scott, he called out, forcing the words through gritted teeth. The air rank with the stench of death. I'm coming to get you. Then with a sudden crack of impact, a dark figure barreled into Jason, knocking the breath from his body and sending him sprawling in the shadow of the great stone. Then the figure was on top of him, pinning him down to the rumbling ground. You're not going to stop us now, snarled Daedalus, his breath hot and heavy on Jason's face. Above Daedalus's head, the snaking tentacles of light fanned out in a twisted halo, and behind these, Jason could see Scott's writhing form, almost worn through by the light. You're killing him, Jason gasped as Daedalus's fingers closed around his throat. He's saving us all, Daedalus replied, a demonic smile of certainty splitting his face. A raking claw of light scratched the stars, tearing its way from another world into this. The sky was opening up above them, and the faint outlines of hideous faces peered down into the world that had been denied to them for so long. As the breath ebbed from his lungs, Jason caught a glimpse of movement at the periphery of his vision. Then huge bear-like arms tore Daedalus's fingers from his throat and threw the Grand Master through the air with an animal roar of defiance. With his robes flapping like wings, Daedalus crashed against one of the outlying stones, where he slumped, dazed and senseless. Jason looked up in relief to see Tom. His grey beard matted with blood and his long hair swept out behind him, stumbled towards the illuminated monument where Scott's lifeless body hung by one outstretched arm. Reaching up with both hands, Tom grabbed hold of Scott's wrist as his wounded palm pulsed against the stone. His pale skin was icy to the touch, and as Tom looked into Scott's eyes, he felt as though he was staring into the abyss. The slick black stone was cracked in a thousand places, with every twisting tentacle of light slowly turning towards this new intruder. He had only a fraction of a second until they found him. Bracing himself against the towering monument, with every sinew straining, Tom tried to drag Scott's hand away from the stone. In the darkness, Scott felt a distant pull, a faint reminder that there was, that there was something else beyond this suffering. His thoughts were shattering into fragments, crushed beneath the grinding glaciers of pain consuming him from within. But somewhere amidst the agony, he heard the faint sound of his father's voice, Scott, you need to stop them. The words were almost lost as Scott stared, started to slip into the void. Close the gate. He didn't know if the voice was real or just a distant memory, but suddenly he knew what he had to do. Drawing on his last ounce of resistance, Scott wrenched his hand free from the stone. With a deafening crack, the sudden recoil of pressure sent Scott stumbling backwards, and only Jason's quick hands saved him from falling to the ground. Sagging in Jason's arms, Scott took huge, juddering lungfuls of air as he tried to flush the choking fog from his veins. From out of the mist, Avalon appeared by Jason's side, and then took an anxious step towards her father now framed in the pulsing light cascading from the monolith. The monument gave a hideous creaking sound, a grinding gurgle that shook the ground beneath their feet. Tom turned towards them, his eyes wide with terror and his words almost lost in the tumult. 
Get out of here, he yelled. The crack in the sky began to close and the flickering faces gathered there let out thwarted howls of despair. Snaking tentacles of light flailed wildly across the circle as they were snapped back, the twisting talons of energy whiplashing into the stone as the cracks began to close. Avalon held out a desperate hand towards her father. Come on! Tom started forward, a look of hope flickering across his bruised and bloodied face. Then the light surrounded him. His body was haloed in a blazing supernova and then consumed entirely. The last throbbing tentacles of energy recoiled into the great stone and the myriad cracks crisscrossed its surface, sealed shut as though they had never been there. A deathly silence fell on the circle, broken only by low moans and whimpers of fear. The monolith stood brooding at the heart of the stones, its smooth surface now whole again. Tom was gone. Avalon twisted back towards Jason, her face frozen in disbelief. He can't have! Her words petered out into a despairing silence. Jason looked around. In the shadows of the stones, the fallen figures of the brothers of Albion lay motionless. In this brief moment, they had the faint chance of escape. Bending his head towards Scott, who was leaning heavily on his shoulder, Jason looked into the boy's haunted eyes. Can you walk? he asked. Scott nodded, his breath still coming out in ragged gasps. The gaping wound on his hand pulsed with hot rivulets of pain, but this was nothing compared to the icy agonies of the stone. I can walk, he gasped. Jason turned and grabbed hold of Avalon's arm, pulling her back from the shadow of the great stone. We've got to get out of here now, he said, his words laced with urgency. Avalon shook her head. But we need to... Jason cut her off with a sweeping gesture towards the black-robed figures slowly rising from the shadows. We need to get out of here alive. Stifling a sob, Avalon nodded and the three of them stumbled out from the ruins of the circle. With every faltering step, they left behind the dazed ranks of the Brothers of Albion, the cloying fog shielding their escape as they fled from the village down the broad avenue of stones. Reaching the abandoned van, Scott and Avalon sat shivering in the passenger seat, as Jason scrabbled to hotwire the ignition and then gunned the engine into life. Headlights off, the van sped away down the lane, leaving the black silhouette of Avery behind them, but the despair that had been unleashed at the circle followed them. He's not dead. Avalon endlessly repeated these words on their journey down the twisted country lanes, a mantra to keep desperation at bay. She'd only lapsed into silence as the darkened roads gave way to the straight lines of the motorway, stained yellow by the overhead lights. Jason hunched over the steering wheel as he urged the van forwards, its whirring heater failing to drive the ice from Scott's bones. Did, did we stop them? Scott asked, shivering as he slumped into the passenger seat, the blooded mess of his right hand held in front of him. I don't know, Jason replied. That light, those things in the sky. His voice trailed into silence as the other side of the crash barrier. Two police cars, their lights flashing, swept by. Jason tensed as the siren slowly faded and then stamped down hard on the accelerator, trying to put as much distance as he could between them and the disaster they'd left behind. We closed the first gate, but that light came out of the deadways, Avalon told them, her dark eyes shining with fear. The halcyon days are coming. End of book one.